All right, y'all, we're back with my dude, J.P. Sears. And J.P. Sears has been on, I think this is his third episode on the podcast. He's been on a tear lately for everybody that's watching from home. All the videos that he's been putting out have been absolutely incredible. Um, We are going to have several links here because we talk about some stuff that does need to be verified. So we got, uh, just check the show notes for links to Dell Bigtree stuff and a couple of different posts, uh, posts rather, as we talk about the deep state and the world at large. And more importantly, or equally importantly, we talk about the shift in consciousness that's taking place. And um, I just love JP's perspective. He's got a little boy on the way, him and Amber. And um, I love him. He's, he's incredible. I'll, I'll leave it with that. And check out our sponsors. Our sponsors make this show possible. And today's show is brought to you by sportsbettingdime.com. If you're looking for odds and analysis of the sports, entertainment, or political world, check them out. You can get into the analytics and finer details of sports using their futures trackers, which cover every major league. So you always know who has the best shot of taking home the title. They also cover mixed martial arts, boxing, and have daily coverage of political odds updated on the regular They've been following the presidential election and aftermath closely, so head over to get updated odds on all the different scenarios there. Check it out at sportsbettingdime.com. That is sportsbettingdime.com. We are also brought to you today by Sovereignty. Sovereignty makes my absolute favorite nootropic and energy drink on the planet. It is known as Purpose. You've heard me mention it. They are currently in reformulation right now, so I think... Uh, If you're listening to this, obviously you'll check their website here, but um, expect the version 2.0 to be absolutely incredible. What I want to talk to you today about is a product they use for sleep called Dream. And Dream is phenomenal. It's one of a kind. It uses uh, another cannabinoid known as CBN, and it helps you sleep like nothing else. If purpose is the very best in energy, wakefulness, and cognitive function, dream is the very best in calming the F down and winding down into your most deepest relaxed state of being at night. No matter what the day has brought you, what kind of stressors you're under, dream is my go-to for sleep. It is phenomenal. And you can get that with the same favorite money back guarantee only for Kyle Kingsbury podcast listeners. Uh, You just have to use my you have to use my URL. So HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash S O V E R E I G N T Y dot C O slash Kyle and pick that up. And not only will they give you money back, but they'll buy your favorite sleep supplement. So you get full money back and the supplement of your choice of equal or lesser value, but only if you use the URL. So sovereignty.co slash Kyle and check it out in the show notes if you don't want to write all that stuff down. We are also brought to you today by Silent Mode. Silent Mode is a peak performance company aiming to help 100 million people reduce their resting heart rate by 5%, enabling happier, healthier lives. They believe the combination of music, science, and technology can create a new genre of mental fitness training, which can be practiced at home, at work, or when traveling. How they do it by providing access to guided mental fitness workouts delivered through a sensory deprivation device. Silent Mode records HRV and custom builds a workout program based on biometric feedback. It is for connected humans who want to improve peak performance. Silent Mode provides tools and techniques that power mind and body. 
this is absolutely revolutionary technology. I've used this through guided breathwork sessions. You can choose to power up or you can choose to power down. There are apps that come along with their device and it is remarkable uh, the amount of restoration that I feel. So quite often I have no problem powering up. I've used that a few times just to have some equivalency to speak to, but the powering down portion is something that I really need help with and have had serious help with using silent mode. And their power mask is incredible. They have a dope deal for all the listeners at www.silentmode.com forward slash pages forward slash KKP. And it offers 15% off their power mask plus three months free subscription to Breathonyx, which is their app on Apple. And they have a different app for Droid users, but it's all coming through right now. Discount code is KKP. So once again, landing page, silentmode.com slash pages slash KKP. We'll link to that in the show notes. Gets you 15% off the power mask and three months free subscription to Breathonyx. Last but not least, we are brought to you by PowerDot. PowerDot is something that I've used in the past. They've been a show sponsor in the past, and they've completely updated their technology, which was phenomenal to begin with. Uh, it's for athletic performance. It improves muscle recovery, supplements strength training, and effectively warms up the muscles to improve post-activation performance. It is a natural way to relieve pain. It blocks pain signals and promotes the release of endorphins kind of by hacking the central nervous system. And it helps with injury rehab by improving blood circulation and getting nutrients to improve recovery and activate muscles in a non-load bearing environment to fight muscle atrophy. Anybody who's ever been hurt before, and I've had a boatload of injuries from football to mixed martial arts, this is one of the ways that we hack the system so that when we come back to training and movement, we are not a shell of our former selves and it integrates our recovery of that injury so much faster. They use smart recovery, artificial intelligence that integrates with Strava and Apple Health. It tracks your workouts and provides customized recovery programs based on your activities and guides you through each program from start to finish. They have in-app education with a news feed where you can learn from professionals and explore content that will help you become a better athlete. And they also have a forum to connect with other PowerDot users and learn how they are getting the most out of their device. Uh, it's used by athletes all over the world from UFC, glory kickboxing, professional cycling, NFL, MLB, PGA, CrossFit, and much, much more. They are doing uh, a great deal for the Pro Bundle right now. So you get the Duo and three extra set of pads to stimulate two areas at once and spend less time recovering. You'll save $25 and an additional 20% with the code KKP. So head over to powerdot.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-D-O-T.com slash KKP and use the code word KKP at checkout to get 20% off the whole deal and an extra 25 off if you get the Pro Bundle, um, all that over at PowerDot.com. And we have that in the show notes as well, so you don't have to worry about writing this stuff down. Without further ado, my boy, J.P. Sears. J.P. Sears, welcome back, brother. Kyle Kingsbury, glad to be here with you and your, your beautiful self, man. Thank you, brother. So a lot's transpired since you've been on the show last. You've been on a couple times. You came on once with a, a sixum we had with uh, <laughs> our homie, Dr. Kirk Parsley, and then we had all the ladies around us. And then... Uh, that was, was a an, podcast orgy, I think that, we can call it. Yeah, it was massive. That's the most, the most mics I've ever had in our mouths at the same time, I think. 
It was. Yeah. Well, few times, man. There's a there's a lot that's been going down, obviously, since then. Ooh. And that's that's uh uh Captain Obvious speaking, but I mean a lot personally in your life. And that's why I wanted to get you on because you've introduced me to some people who have introduced me to more people than they've been very important people. And we've had some really important conversations on our podcast. And you've taken, uh, I think, the first wave of shit for for that from big tech. And uh, obviously, you know, you, you have a massive following from your comedy and from being the brilliant, amazing human that you are. But you've been on the front lines first, and you've really given me permission to join you in that. And I really mm. appreciate that from you, brother. Big oh, time. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you for giving yourself permission and blaming me for it. But <laughs> yeah, man, I'm honored because I, I have so much respect for you and I'm not just jerking you off here. Uh, but yeah, man, to, to hear you'd have even a little bit of inspiration seeing what I'm doing to step up your game in contributing to the awakening that the world needs. I'm honored to hear that. Hell yeah, brother. Well, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. I mean, most people right now are familiar. We had thanks to you, Mickey Willis on the podcast. Mm. And then I went out and got Del Bigtree on and started talking about vaccines for the first time ever. Obviously that was, uh, I'm already triggered Kyle. <laughs> Jesus, quite, quite, quite fucking taboo. You know, like I, I had, I remember when bear was born, um, we had people ask, you know, on Facebook and we were like, um, we're just holding off for now, you know, and that started such a huge debate yeah. and a lot of, um, posturing around uh, the known science and everybody who's a scientist came out and and all these <laughs> my uncle's a doctor and yeah i've got fucking aunts and uncles that are doctors and cousins and anesthesiologists and stanford grads and all that shit and they don't subscribe to what i'm talking about but it's our child and we're still going to do what we feel is best for our child and um the point in bringing that story up is that was five years ago and we really went underground and we're like, oh, we're not touching that one. And anybody yeah. that we were friends with who had researched and learned from the same people we had from the Dr. Joe Mercolos of the world, um, from Paul Check, you know, who's a close friend of ours and a mentor. I, I remember when Ben Greenfield, I was still working it on it at the time. He was on Twitter and he had had another person. He'd probably had two or three people on it at, uh, at that point fairly recently and several others in the past that I had learned from, from the Ben Greenfield fitness podcast, uh, like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and others that pretty much just laid it out there. Like, no, these aren't safe. Mm -hmm. And there's no such thing as herd immunity unless it's a natural immunity that takes place by people actually getting sick and working their way through that. And, uh, he was annihilated on Twitter yeah. and I was like, fuck dude, it's still too, still too sticky to touch. And the point in bringing all this up is that now, and I know you feel this way, and I certainly have been made aware of this, is that we're in a point in time where the people who know cannot remain silent. Yeah. There is no more biting our tongue in hopes of not losing whatever fan base or not getting kicked off of Instagram or any of that shit. It is like the time is now to speak. Yeah. And with that, um, I know you, you've, you've really led the way on this with having Mickey on the podcast, but talk, talk a little bit about that. You know, like how did you get turned on to Mickey? Um, and what has that been like for you in all of the social media channels, YouTube, all that stuff? Yeah. Well, man, first I have to echo something you said that gave me freaking goosebumps. The people that know can't remain silent anymore. I so believe that we're in a time where 
it, we're in a magical time where things are either going to get much worse or we're going to have a much better life come out of this, you know, time of that's kind of shitty, but compost, hopefully. So I, I think there are some people out there who are tr still playing it safe and it's truly a fear-based living saying like, hey, I've got this audience and my heart believes one thing. My heart maybe doesn't believe what the media is trying to sell us on. We have to lock down the pandemic and, you know, all the vaccines are good. My heart doesn't believe that, but I'm not going to speak my true heart to my audience because I'm afraid of losing some of my audience. Fuck that person. They don't deserve to be followed anymore because we're not living in an age of safety. We're living in an age of risk where I think right now the most dangerous thing anybody can do is play it safe. So the, an influencer or celebrity out there who's playing it safe, I think they're a very dangerous influence. But those like yourself who will talk about vaccines, the truth as you see it, those who play it dangerously, I think they're the safest people to be around. Because we're echo our friend Tim Kennedy, his wise saying, we're living in a time where you have two choices, either peaceful slavery or dangerous freedom. But the peaceful slavery, I truly think that's the danger zone. But what feels like dangerous freedom, bro, freedom is maybe the most nourishing thing to the human heart and soul. So with that said, uh, I, I have that opinion that, that there's some people stepping it up and it's so inspiring. And then there's some people who are in a position of influence who are modeling a fear-based way of living. And I can relate to that because now getting to your question back in probably late March, early April, when it became apparent to me, the narrative we're being sold isn't accurate, like, oh, like the numbers we're seeing aren't what they originally predicted in the middle of March. And okay, like I'm, I'm obviously some people are dying of the sickness or flu-like symptoms as they do every year. But nonetheless, obviously it was happening to a degree with COVID, but not nearly at a rate that we were told. It's like, oh, this is awesome. Like it's good news, but we're being, uh, 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 gaslit by the powers that be and the reaction isn't being pulled back. It's being enforced on us more. So I started to wake up like, all right, something's going on. If somebody is acting in a way that's not in the best interest of the people. So I became very inspired. I remember one night I was going to bed. I have this idea for this video I have to make. And it was the first video I made on the topic uh, of what's going on in 2020 and COVID specifically. But first video I made that was looking to shine the light on the hidden truth. And it was called what it's like to believe everything the media tells you. <laughs> so I had that idea going to bed. I'm like, dude, I got to make this. Like I, I rearranged my schedule because I wanted to write it in the morning, shoot it and release it that night. But I had this fear. I'm like, dude, this is this is dramatically against the mainstream narrative. I can feel in my heart it's for the people, though. Yet I'm still scared. Like it is, especially back in early April, it is not fucking popular to go against the mainstream narrative of COVID. Like it was, it, it's 
kind of like normal now. Most people are not buying into the mainstream narrative, but back then it was like, you're the black sheep. You're the Holocaust denier. So I was afraid, like, I'm, I'm going to lose some of my audience. Like this might be bad for business, but there was no question. I've got to make this video. I got to keep following this new call to step up and serve to a greater level. So I made the video and then a flood of other videos and material came in since to help support the awakening of humanity. And an interesting thing happened where without the intention to do so, honoring the truth and being bold and doing what scares me more has been the best thing I've ever done for business. My audience has never had such exponential growth. Yet I had that fear, just like some of the the you know, people who are afraid to actually speak the truth, uh, their truth of what's going on, I had the same fear. And for me, just through the grace of uh, probably how I've lived my life, I didn't enslave myself to that fear. I chose to take the action that would actually make the fear more intense. But I was like, cool, I'll sit on the sweat lodge of this fear because I know I'm doing this for a greater good. Um, man, and then... Yeah, since then, I mean, it feels like my life has transformed. It feels like my work has transformed, which I, I so love. It's more fulfilling than ever and hopefully in more of service to humanity than ever before. And that's led me to have the pleasure of getting connected with Mickey Willis. I mean, someone I I don't know if there's anyone, any other single person whose work is more important in this time we live in than Mickey Willis as I'm sure all your listeners have watched, but you know, especially his second film indoctrination, like dude, that is just must see just pulling the curtain back on what's going on. So dude. And then, uh, you know, it's awesome to see you. It's like, Oh yeah. Kyle's work has transformed that's not the Kyle of 2019. Like what you've always been doing is awesome, but you're doing something that serves humanity at a greater degree than just biohacking, if yeah. you will, and inspiration. It's like, dude, no, you're, you're liberating people. Yeah. And it feels truth, good to serve that mission with you. It, it really does, brother. It really does. And, uh, it's funny to see like the, even when, when I meet new people and they're like, Oh, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, eh, well, we're, we're, <laughs> I didn't change the categories. It's still health and fitness, um, but it's gone from physical to mental, emotional to spiritual health, all things health, right? And a part of that is knowing what is true with a capital T, you know? And and uh, as I think about these things, you know, it doesn't it doesn't negate, like Paul Check talked about that with me. I remember the first time we had him out here, he was going to go on Aubrey's podcast and my podcast. And Aubrey wanted to make sure we didn't have too much of the same topic. So we kind of had a split and he got the better end of the deal. Cause he was going to talk about what the purpose of the devil, okay. right? Like all spiritual, the purpose of the devil and dark, dark energy, whatever you want to call that. And for me, it was, you know, last word doctors you'll ever need pretty much basic building blocks of how to live better. And Paul, Paul looked at me and he was like, you know, in all my years of doing this, I'm really quite tired of talking about that stuff, you know? Like, I'm going to do it with you because I love you and I know you love me and it's it's super important. But, but um, you know, I like talking about God. I like talking about plant <laughs> medicine. I'm like, dude, I'm in the same fucking boat, yeah. you know? And uh, and it's funny because you, you can't overlook that stuff. I mean, part of that is the problem. As we look at everything going on, Mercola just had a brilliant article I'll have Jose link to in the show notes. 
on what one potential future looks like from big tech, where we, we, we already see this going on right now, but uh, who is behind Impossible Burger? Bill Gates, uh, the James Cameron, you know, a lot of the Hollywood types and uh, genetically modified foods and glyphosate and all this stuff. And it's like, well, when that, if no one's going to speak out about speak out about that, like that, that, that just becomes a new norm. Like I remember when, when uh, Chipotle said they would no longer have genetically modified food and that include changing some of their soft drinks. And there was so much uproar from the corporations that work with them. They weren't allowed to post that anymore. Wow. And so after a couple of months, all the signs came down and I had a buddy who was a manager there and he was like, yeah, it's weird. Uh, this was like a thing we were really gung ho about that was going to differentiate us from the rest of the, you know, fast ish food restaurants. And that got shut down. Whole foods, same deal, right? Whole foods is like, no, if you got, (laughs) they were going to have clear labels. I remember that with uh whole foods, right? Yeah. So it's like, like you think of these power structures and that's the whole deal. You know, it, it took me a minute to really, to really understand and grasp how big, how deep this goes, right? Like, what is this deep state people speak of? What is corporatocracy or technocracy? Because the people I'm hearing it from, there's a little bit of quackery there, at least, at least on the surface, you know, like I've listened to David Icke before and talking about uh, transhumanism and things like that. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But, you know, when he really, when he first went on London Real during quarantine, I was like, this is a fucking either a really hard pill to swallow that resonates a little too much or he's totally off and everything's cool. And the further the time went on, the more right he became. You know, we, we started seeing, I told you we bought our house here in, in Austin near the airport. Uh, in November, we moved in of 2019. Every street light has a camera on it. Mm. And the homes are smart homes. They give you free Alexa. Here you go with your smart home, free Alexa. And it's got the little camera in it. You can speak to her, all this stuff. And like you get into that and he's, and you know, one of the things he said when it's continued to say, and he, he'll tell you he's been saying it for 30 years is that uh, if you want to know the future, look to the East, mm. look to China, mm. right? If you want to know the future of the West, look to the East. And I had seen uh, Mercola was on Chuck's podcast and um, he was talking about uh, the creepy line a documentary on Amazon. Have you seen that? I have not. It's brilliant. It's all on Google. It's funny that it's on Amazon, but it's, it's all on <laughs> Google. And um, they really dive into how they are the number one surveillance company in the world. Mm. And they were exposed. They got in trouble for uh, all of their uh, driverless cars and Googlers cars. You know, I, I grew up right down the street from their headquarters. They're all driving around mapping the earth, right? They got their little cameras spinning around. And what they were doing is anybody who had an unlocked Wi-Fi router, they would steal all of their information no and shit. store it as they fucking drove by their house. They got a slap on the wrist when they were proven to be guilty of this. Yeah. They paid a very small fine. And what, why is that? Because they're fucking, they own the government. Our government is for sale. Yeah. But it, connecting all these dots has been like a really hard pill to swallow. But at the same time, it's better to understand it and to say yes to it, to then understand what we're up against in a way that we look to create the new world going forward. Yeah. And that was a long ass tangent that it took many turns, but. Yeah, man. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> dude, that's creepy beyond belief. And, you know, like I look at some of the, what I would call the common denominators of the problems that are going on. Cause now we've got, obviously we've had COVID for a while and big tech surveillance people, 
big tech censoring people, media censoring people, media having election propaganda now where Biden has announced the clear winner by the Associated Press, but who actually is legally um, supposed to declare the elections are the Electoral College of the Senate, House of Representatives, and National Archives. They haven't declared the winner yet as of this recording, yet we've got this inundation. Biden's the president. Biden's the president, which I think is setting us up for a civil war. If Trump actually proves to be the legal winner, probably a far shot, but it could happen. So I look at the common denominators, like what are these problems? And there's so many of them. And like these powerful people taking control over the beautiful people. I think the number one problem is people outsourcing their truth. So when, when we, have a, a a search on Google and something comes up, we'll believe it like it's gospel. We turn on the news, listen to them. Hey, uh, deaths are severe. And we look around. It's like, dude, life is good. Human connection feels good to me. My heart isn't telling me to uh, uh, not live my life because of this thing, but let me surrender my freedoms because they just told me to. That's us outsourcing our truth. And I think the the best way any human can serve themselves right now it's not by finding like one specific truth you got to believe this these people are right these people are wrong it's they got to learn to listen to their own fucking truth and that's i've i've been an advocate for people like dude like i i'm very careful i'm not trying to indict like dude no that point of view is wrong here's a right point of view I like to slice holes in the, the mainstream manipulative narratives so people can see through the holes and hopefully see their own truth. And, and I don't think the world will become like North Korea here in the West if people get in touch with their own truth, because I think the only way the few can control the many is when people externalize their truth to the few. And I think what compels someone to externalize their truth to the few that want control is fear. But I think if we can act out of love and specifically love for the truth in our hearts, then we're not really controllable. And man, I think we need more people listening to their own hearts right now. No question. That brings up a couple of things for me uh, when it talk about civil war. In the documentary film, uh, V for Vendetta by the Wachowskis. Just, I, also, I watched that for the first time a couple months ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. what? It, was this just made today? <laughs> for today? And that was. I think it was done 10 years ago, but it was specific to uh, 2020. I think it was 15. 15. I want to say okay. 2005. I okay. could be a little long, but yeah, it was a while. It was while right ago. after the documentary, The Matrix. And... And same same writers, the Wachowskis. So they're a little tuned in. They know what's going on. Um, in that, it's it takes place in the UK, and they're under house arrest, curfew. They're not allowed out at night. They have many restrictions. There's a new developmental vaccine that are making everybody uh, docile. Yeah, and uh, the news religiously feeds them what's true. Uh-huh. And it's from like one source. Yeah. You have one source of news, which is pretty much what's going on right now. Um, but in that, remember the United States was, was what they called it. The former United States is still in civil war. That's right. They were fighting. 
right? And I think about that. I don't think it ever could come down to a North Korea just for the fact that there's too many people in Texas alone who would fight, right? And, and I don't, again, I don't think it's going to come to that either. But we have to, we have to marry these sides together in some way that, that works. And Daniel Schmachtenberger has been great about that in the war on sense-making and learning how to steel man someone's argument rather than straw man, mm. someone's argument, like really understand what the opposition wants to get in their argument better than they argue it, right? And then, and then what does that do? At the very least, Jordan Peterson talked about this, at the very least, it helps you to understand where they're coming from. But what you're talking about, the second piece that I wanted to get to is so very important how do we know our own truth? How do we connect to our hearts? And whether it's been systematically taken away from us through education, programming, learning how to be cogs in the wheel, through our disconnection from nature, through our disconnection from food, or all the other ways, pharmaceuticals, the many thousands of ways that we're disconnected from that, what are some of the practices that bridge us back? Because, I mean, this is, in all my work with plant medicines and, and yours, of course, as well, it seems to me the common thread no matter how the experience goes, whether it's a microdose or a macrodose, that it's building that bridge. So I, I can, I can know something. Yeah. I don't have to say, yeah, that sounds right. Like there's no download that comes in on 30 grams of mushrooms where I'm like, that feels, that feels like that's the right answer. <laughs> it's like, like, it's fucking known. It yeah. is known. And it's absolutely irrefutable from, from whatever knowing that I have inside, it, it becomes crystal clear. And I think, uh, that bridge can be made. Obviously, you don't need 30 grams of mushrooms, but how do we get back to that bridge of our own understanding? Yeah, man. Uh, well, first off, I'm a clumsy, redheaded Yahoo fumbling my way through life, so I'm not going to act like a 10th degree black belt and following his heart. It's like, no, dude, I've forced got my way through, follow my heart as best as I can, but it's sloppy as fuck and definitely not perfect. But I'm happy to share my delusional perspectives on that. And you know, for me, first is knowing what our truth is not. And there's a quote, I probably say it every single day in my life from Ram Dass, which is, you can't get out of a jail you don't know you're in. So I think we, what that means for me in this context is to find our own truth, we first have to recognize the programming that's coming into our mind. And I'm not talking about conspiracy. Wow, they're out mind controlling you even though they probably fucking are. I'm even talking about like when you're a kid, you know, your parents' values that come into your mind, like their ways of life, their wishes for your life, the shoulds. We got to recognize like what what is other people's psychological material that my brain is carrying. So we recognize what our truth is and we see something on the news like, mm, ah, that doesn't feel true to me. So we recognize what is not authentically ours. Because like if you're being just be dramatic. If you're being brainwashed, you become automatically way less brainwashed once you recognize the brainwashing that's going on. And then dude, for me, the, and, and I'll say this simply with no practical per application, and then hopefully we can create some practicality out of it. But simply said, we got to get out of our heads and into our hearts. You know, the we know the electromagnetic, this is proven by heart math, the electromagnetic field of the heart is 5,000 times stronger than that of the brain. And if you just imagine what that could mean is maybe the real truth 
isn't harbored in our head, memorized by our left brain. Maybe that's like facts and stats. It does things like that. But maybe the the bigger, less tangible truths that therefore matter more, those come through our heart. You know, our biofeedback mechanism of our body. I know when I'm feeling a truth or an untruth, it's all in my body. You know, a hot video idea comes in like this will really serve people. Like I notice my chest gets lighter. There's a, a sensation I would call excitement in there. It's not in my head. It's in my body. If my awareness is in my body. And then if I hear something or something's told to me that is not my truth, like it, it tends to feel heavy. There tends to be a drop. And I, Every I know every single person has access to this th- this biofeedback mechanism that is way more advanced than anything Elon Musk can create, and it's called your body. The question is, is your awareness attuned to the beautiful, miraculous, very accurate feedback your body is giving you, or is your awareness not tuned in, is your awareness kind of getting rubbed in the shitty carpet of the mainstream narrative, the shitty carpet of what your parents, society wants of your life rather than the truth of what life wants of you. So, man, I think we got to be in our bodies. And you mentioned, you know, plant medicines, like first off, 30 grams of mushroom. Holy fuck. I do want to hear what your experience is. (laughs) But I think, you know, plant medicines, mushrooms being one of the more accessible ones, that is a powerful way to start shattering the membrane of a lack of awareness that keeps us from our bodies, our sensations that speak the language of truth to us. I'm not saying go do plant medicines, but I'm not not saying go do plant medicines. <laughs> but I'm curious, you're, I mean, I'm curious your perspective on the same question of how can one get more in touch with their truth? Yeah, I think I think exactly what you're talking about is 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 spot on. You know, I was just watching uh, Initiation with Matthias De Stefano on Gaia. TV. I haven't seen that. No. Oh, dude, it's fucking amazing. You write up, you, you and Amber would love it. It's incredible. Uh, I've had like a sea of people say you have to watch this. And uh, so that's my recommendation for the listeners as well as you and Amber. It's, it's incredible. But um, he was talking about that too. One of the ways they would know uh, is through the heart because the heart, you feel, you don't just think, right? And it does have a deeper knowing. Yeah. And, um, Paul Chick talked about that way back in the day on one of my podcasts, how humanity, we move from these different levels in the structure stages of consciousness. And the idea as we graduate to the next is that we incorporate all of the other levels that still exist. But what we've done in the mental is we've negated the archetypical. We've negated all these other levels of awareness through symbology, the, the, through story, through all of the things that got us here. And we fixated and become scientific materialists and... Um, looked at things as black and white rather than seeing the, the, the beautiful gray of all the vast grayness and in between, you know, and, um, there are practices I think that are really good, but it really is just, you can do all these practices. I did fucking yoga for years and never understood why I was doing it. I felt good doing it, but I didn't get the, 
I didn't get the spiritual aspect of it and I didn't get the peace of it until I got it. And same with meditation. I would sit quietly, I would feel better, but I, I didn't necessarily understand it. Plant medicines showed me what I was connecting to, the point behind both of those practices that require no plant medicines, you know? And that, I think that's such an important piece is that uh, Chogum Trumpa Rinpoche talked about this. I got his book, Meditation in Action, after Duncan Trussell recommended it. It's only three and a half hours and it's, it's amazing. But he talked about that when you become, when you know where your tuning fork is and you find your center, you then have the ability to take that in every action, right? Some might call that flow, but I mean, literally, I'm not gonna find flow while I'm doing the dishes. Maybe I do, but certainly I can meditate while I'm doing the dishes. Yeah. And that is a, is a form of flow, I guess, or mowing the lawn or driving bear to school. Like there, there's a way you can find that center place and from there, you're in the eye of the hurricane. All the shit that's happening externally, you can see through it. And at least you're coming from a place of peace rather than a place of fear. And I don't know in our lifetimes if, if that shifts. There's a lot of things on the future that I, I would love to dive into um, that get pretty weird, you know, fifth dimensional Christ consciousness, shit like that, the Hopi prophecy, um, that are potentials. And at the same time, no one's going to clean up this mess for us. We got to do that, right? And so all, every, every great spiritual practice talks about that. Be the change you wish to see in the world. It always starts with self. And then that self can extend out to your loved ones, family. And then that self can extend to community. And if you're in a conscious community or you have connections to your community, um, that matters too, right? Yeah. And then we can, we can start to spread that out. And people can see templates of how that's done. But uh, one of these things that, that I get talked about, again, on getting into the heart is, um, and he uses some really cool drawings from uh, Neil Haig, where he shows, he shows humanity encapsulated in their own bubble. Hmm. And when they walk up next to somebody, the bubbles don't connect to one another. Even if they shake hands, it's just, they're each in their own bubble. But with your heart center opened, you have, a, you have this energy that we're sharing right now face to face that connects and links each other so we can feel into each other's state of being. And if you tell me something that is a lie or complete bullshit and my awareness and tuning fork is switched on, it's going to resonate immediately. And be like, uh, are you sure about that? You know, like I can feel into that. It goes beyond if I think it's true or not. Right. But the point isn't like we connect our hearts and then lie to one another. The point is we connect our hearts so we can engage together in life. Yeah. And the more we're able to do that, the more we, we don't, we're not only connecting to our own hearts, but we're connecting to others' hearts yeah. and building true connection. Right. And we do that with nature too. I think that's one of the best things that I've come in contact with. There's a guy named Dr. Will Tegel out in Wimberley. He's about an hour outside of town. He's 80, uh, a medicine man, worked with many Native American elders, and he's a true elder now in every sense of the word. He's written, uh, I think, eight books, but he wrote one when he was 77 called Walking with Bears. Mm -hmm. And this guy has got a PhD in physics, PhD in psychology, did all the Western science, best of modern medicine, and bridged that to the wisdom of Native American culture. And one of the things he talks about is, is like Avatar. It, there is everywhere we go in nature, there's an eco field and the eco fields overlap. And like Paul Check says, everything in waveform is energy. So if it's in the manifest universe, the world of 10,000 things, it has energy and that is information, information in formation. Yeah. So we can tune into that information 
if we can calm our senses enough and get out of our heads and back into our bodies, we can tune in to the messages from the plants. We can tune into the trees yeah. and it doesn't require me eating an oak to get downloads from the oak. Yeah. Right. So I think, I think the reconnection to nature and one more point I wanted to bring up on Ike was um, he talked about those bubbles and he talked about what he calls the DNA wars. Right. And this happens through all the chemicals in our food supply, glyphosate, MSG, anything that pulls us off our center, even over caffeinating, which I do a really good job of pre-podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, anything that amps us up and, and really, you know, 5g is not causing coronavirus, but it does have a much higher amplitude and to act like that doesn't affect our electromagnetic bodies is, is absurd. Like it, it has an impact. All, all EMFs have an impact to what degree. I'm not sure. Right. I think some people are more sensitive than others, but the point is whether it's chemicals in our food supply, whether it's, uh, you know, volatile oxygen consumption coming off of your fake air mattress or, or any of these other things that we're exposed to, we're in a toxic world. And what that means outside of dis-ease is we are simply thrown off our center. And it's a matter of finding that back, which requires us detoxing, cleaning up our food, what we ingest, cleaning up our attention span of what we ingest mentally, right? Like what is coming in? What, what am I watching at night that actually can shift me off center or bring me closer to home? And I think all of these things either have the ability to bring us back to our center or take us further off. And that's, yeah. that's, that's my, my piece on connecting, but it is, it is to the body. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the C world, C word, word, C world, Jesus. I'm thinking about captive whales, <laughs> yeah, kind of a metaphor for humanity right now. Limp fins. But yeah, but you mentioned the C world, word, Jesus fucking Christ, JP, learn to talk. I think I just had a stroke. That's why I can't talk. But the C word connection you know, connection to ourselves. And you mentioned like our energy bubbles, like we're connecting with other people and we can kind of tune in like, Ooh, that feels like a manipulation or that feels like, Ooh, that's great connective truth for me. Yet if connection is truly our solution to finding our truth and engaging with a truth or lack of truth in other people, then it kind of makes sense when you look at the people who are literally controlling other people now, they're telling us in so many words, connection is bad for us. And I think you and I would agree, no, connection is great for us. Connection is enlivening, but we're literally being taught connection is actually deadly. So don't connect with other people. And what that re- what that actually says to me is, you know, a translation, which is don't trust your truth. So we're actually trying to train you to not connect with your truth because you need connection in order to connect with your truth. And if you're disconnected from your truth, guess what? Our bullshit will sure as hell sound a lot more true because it's all you've got. So men, you know, like when I feel my experience of the energy of say, uh, Anthony Fauci, it it feels like manipulation to me. My biofeedback mechanism that it doesn't at all have the sensation of truth. It feels like manipulation. Yeah, you know, there's no zero resonance with yeah. anything coming out of his mouth. Yeah, and that that doesn't tell me our what's his agenda, who's controlling him, what's he actually doing. You know, you can like watch. Uh, 
uh, indoctrination, find out Mickey Willis's in-depth investigation. But, you know, my internal, like, oh, that's bullshit, it doesn't tell me what what his motivation is. It just tells me what he's saying isn't for me to ingest as truth. And I think we're living in a time where getting fucking bold with permission is a great thing because so many of us could, who have walked any degree of self-growth, warriorship, spirituality, for years we've probably been sitting around saying like, hey, don't wait for anybody to give you permission to go out and do it. Just go out and do it. And a lot of those same people right now are fucking hiding inside saying, okay, uh, well, they told us not to get together with my family. So, you know, we will, uh, mom and dad will get together when they tell us we can. Now, it's time to put what we've known in, you know, great self-growth philosophy to put that into action because we realize with not only living our lives, but also following our truths, zero other people are going to give you permission to do it. This is the empowerment comes when we claim what's been ours all along. When we claim permission to follow our truth, to live our lives. Cuz right now, sitting around waiting for someone to grant you permission to live your truth, go gather with your family, keep your fucking business open, you're going to be doing a lot of waiting and a lot of maybe what's not in your best interest. But when we claim our right to give ourselves permission boldly to follow our truth, to follow our heart, then I think that's what's serving us. Because again, outsourcing our truth, outsourcing our permission, I don't think that's working. I think we we start to feel meaningful in our lives, purposeful, fulfilled, and... Um, I dare say happy, even the during a weird time when we inner source our truth, inner source our permission. But it's scary to do that. Yeah, big time, absolutely. It, it's it's you know on a podcast level, and I'm sure like you, you spoke to this early, and I know you you feel this in your own podcast, but it it feels a hell of a lot better to be able to have Mickey Willis on and different people tell big tree the, you know, uh, Dr. David E. Martin came on, yeah. you know, bow tie guy, absolutely brilliant bow tie guy. <laughs> guy. Uh, his book lizards eat butterflies is hilarious and all on programming. And it's one of the best books I've read all year. Just wow. incredible. But, um, that has me more excited about podcasting than the next diet tip or meditating, not to shit on meditation, all of these things, even sure. diet, all of these things, super important. Emily Fletcher is going to come on and we're going to talk meditation, you know, when she gets into town and, uh, and we're going to talk food when we have, um, Anna from Belcampo on when she's coming to town. So again, still super important, but the thing that wakes me up in the morning where I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. We get to have this conversation today. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a conversation like we're having right now. Um, it's important. And I thank all the listeners who have stuck with it and been like, oh, okay. You know I mean? Yeah. I've gotten some feedback from friends who follow and they're like, even one of my buddies, Sabo out in NorCal, uh, where I'm from, he's got family in Taiwan and he's like, well, look, Asian culture, we've you know been wearing masks for a long time and we got hit less hard. And, and it just seems like that's a correlation. And I told him to listen to, uh, you know, the podcast that 
that um, what's it? Tony Robbins had with seven medical doctors. Oh, it's two phenomenal. From, fucking phenomenal, right? And I linked to that in the show notes and I just said, look, none of these guys, Cleveland Clinic, Stanford, none of them say anything works at the N95 level. Doesn't work for a yeah. virus. Works great for bacteria, not for viruses. And we're allowed to wear bandanas and whatever the fuck we want. You put a, throw a t-shirt over my face, right? Like clearly this is not, this is not the thing. And I said, maybe it has to do with those cultures like in Taiwan and Japan being healthier than the obese society we live in right now here in America, you know, like to just put it plainly, maybe that has more to do with it. Um, but you know, there's been back and forth and people have, have come and, and here we are. But it, it is an exciting time. And, uh, you know, something that Joyous told me, he was on the podcast last, which I think was absolutely brilliant, was that, you know, I asked him what happens on either side of the coin flip, right? Because depending on who you're listening to now, you will hear Trump's got him by the balls. He, he figured this out in 2018 that there was election meddling and he baited him. And we're going to see this come to fruition and Trump is for sure going to be president. Or all that's QAnon bullshit, right-wing conspiracy theory stuff, and Biden's getting in no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so what happens on either side of that coin? And what he said is we either get to see beauty come from more truth being unveiled or we get to see beauty come from more truth being unveiled. You know, that's paraphrasing, mm. but it's, it's like either way, if shit hits the fan, we have fucking more lockdowns, whatever the case is, we're going to know what we're up against really quickly. It might feel abrupt. All this has felt abrupt. Yeah. Or we might get to see, you know, some rests being made and, and shit actually hitting the fan and the weeding of the garden that Trump has claimed he was doing all along. Either way, we're going to see massive change happen. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he talked about that really resonated with me was life is a ceremony and this whole year has been a ceremony and what this is right now, what we're experiencing as a collective is the purge. Mm. We're in the purge. This isn't the fun part, but we all know what happens after the purge, right? We know what comes after that, the grace, the beauty, the understanding right now we've got a shit. We've got to throw up. We've got to get our bodies and our minds squeezed as tightly as possible to see every crack from financial to education to food to how we relate to one another to the constant going from one box to another to the box in our hands to the box of the car the box of the office the box of the tv all these little boxes that disconnect us that we think help us connect but aren't the way yeah dude that feels so good i i need to re-listen to this part of the podcast probably every day for the next many months but i love Joyous's perspective because I'll find myself getting pessimistic at times. Like, dude, like, is are we going to wake up and not really wake up? But is this going to be a slow, progressive thing? Where in five years we're literally living in North Korea, except everybody's speaking English. It's like hopeless, even though like I'm doing my best, and I know many other people are doing their best, and I think humanity is like at a point where they're unwilling to be controlled or about to be unwilling to be controlled, but fuck, it looks like a really steep uphill battle. But that context of, no, this is the purge. When you're in the purge, it might feel dark. It might feel hopeless. But what comes after the purge, as you mentioned, like, oh yeah. And like, how would that not happen? 
Cause like, it's it, like, it's an energy pattern. And, and I think one thing that I couldn't predict, and I don't know if anybody can is how long will this purge be? Is it three more months? Is it three more years? Is it 30 years? I don't know. But one thing I do know about purges is trying to escape them while they're still going on is living hell. <laughs> yep. Being present with the purge while it's going on without trying to go into the future to when it's over, how long is it going to be? When's it going to be over? But being present with it for however long it is going on, that can turn a living hell into a challenge which I think is a reminder I need because uh, at times I get pessimistic. I'm like, fucking Bill Gates. Like, dude, that guy's got a lot of money to control a lot of shit. Yeah, Man. not a good character. Well, maybe not. But it's weird when you think about the the people who are maybe acting in the the disinterest of humanity. There's so few of them compared to how many beautiful people there are. And we've all been asleep and some of us are waking up a little bit, some are a little ahead, but I think the human spirit inside of every single person wants to wake up. It's like you go to bed at night, it's only a matter of time before you wake up. That's what's natural and needed and will happen with everybody. So yeah, I do think we have great hope and I so appreciate that reminder. Yeah. One of the things that's helped me with this, because I was a fucking mess for the first six weeks, you know, I talked about just <laughs> fucking running ketamine pretty consistently at, at very high doses uh, to try to get answers in the astral and not really giving space to the medicine or grounding it and learning a lot from that experience as well. Um, but there's this idea that whether we're, it's like, like what I tell somebody about ayahuasca, ayahuasca gives you what you need. And if you've had the hardest life possible, you don't go in on night one and relive every rape, every beating, every, you know, watching your parents get killed, you know, Batman scenario. You don't get it all. You don't get the kitchen sink because nobody goes through one ceremony and, and heals completely, right? It's, it's the flowering of our consciousness is forever. It's infinite. So you're not going to get it all in one whack, but you get what you need in layers, right? Like peeling layers of an onion and the mirror of that microcosm of the intelligence of ayahuasca or any other plant medicine is mirrored in the macrocosm yeah. of life. You know, I, I used to think like that was kind of a, a cheesy, uh, you know, thing like, oh, God only gives you what you need. What, Same. You know, you'll know, Same. you'll know, you'll know when you're there that you're strong enough because God knows. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, but if we're not separate from God, which has been a critical download and deleting some of the programming I was born with. And I recognize that and I know it as a truth for me, then it can just as easily be said that the God in you, your high self, your daemon, whatever you call that soul spirit that is connected to the all at all times as our physical bodies are also knows that and also knows that whatever we're getting we are prepared for. We can make it through the challenge. All we have to do is say yes. And if we say no and peace out and commit suicide or drown ourselves in alcohol, that's okay too, right? Um, not the move I'm going to take, but all is forgiven. All is okay. And there's all just ways of God knowing itself. So whatever choice we make is ultimately going to be just fine in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But my understanding of walking this path is that mirror 
that whatever's presented in front of me is just enough and I can, and I can handle the challenge, right? And I'm going to yeah. make it through that better. So when I look of what would it take, I used to think about this, like when I first did ayahuasca, like everyone needs to do this. And then it was like, eh, no, maybe, maybe everybody <laughs> doesn't need to do this. This has this been some really rough nights and I feel prepped and I've had good guides. Um, what would it take is, is a global pressure cooker. Yeah. It would take something like this. It would take something that that is a you know outside of a you know an asteroid hitting the Earth and having a global catastrophe. It would take something that would cause so much pressure and so much stress all over the world that we would be forced to analyze every crack that's in the system. That we would be forced to take a hard look at our lives and understand what's working, what's not working, and see all the shit and mourn that, grieve that, say, fuck, this happened? How did we get here? You know, and just like V for Vendetta, you'll ask yourselves how this came to be. Yeah. Look in the mirror. Yeah. Right? Because all of us have been complicit to some extent. All of us had said yes through our ignorance, through our ignoring of what's actually happening to be in the position that we're in. And with that ownership and responsibility, we're then gifted the ability to change it. We're then now not in the place of victimhood. We move into the place of co-creator again. Yeah. And that's inspiring for me. Fuck yeah. And both globally and locally, the individual, like all the cracks in our social systems, the banks, corruption. I love that exposure. And I think the, how fast we realize that and and it gets you know transmuted into something more beautiful that serves people better i think the speed of that is dependent on each individual doing that within themselves you know i look at the you know i always curse darkness when i'm wrapped up in it while forgetting like yeah this is actually a blessing not a curse this what feels like darkness is showing me my shadow. I can actually, and I've done this too much during the pandemic, I've escaped my own self-work by only thinking globally. Vaccine agenda, shit. Uh, fucking Gavin Newsom in California. What the fuck's that guy thinking? <laughs> yeah. And But that's escaping myself if that's all I'm focusing on. I want to be aware of that, the global. I think that's important, but also I got to be, aware of locally within myself. And I've noticed, dude, the darkness of this pandemic, I'm proud to say I've legitly fucking grown as you have where, you know, just at like the professional level, instead of playing it safe of like, dude, I'm doing comedy on like spirituality and like health, like stuff that's safe. Dude, I, I have, this darkness has helped me get in touch with a, a, strong warrior energy in me that I wasn't connected with before. And, and that's taken a lot of courage. There's been trials and tribulations, fears I've had to go through in order to connect with that warrior energy. Yet I never would have known it was there and that it was wanting to be connected with without the darkness of the pandemic happening. And it, and I think everybody has had opportunities, their versions of you know, what I've gone through, and I've gone through many others in different aspects of my life. You know, your courage to like, I I am called to talk about vaccines. Cool. If times were easy, would there have been the darkness necessary to motivate you to step even deeper into the light of your heart? 
Who knows? But I can say, dude. probably not. If she, yeah, it's it's like like uh, Robert Kiyosaki and his wife said that the the surest way to um, and this is butchering it now. The worst thing you can have is a steady salary. Yeah, for fi- financial reasons, yeah. right? And that's because you're complacent, right? And so the same goes for life. If everything's fucking cool and it's smooth sailing. There's not a lot of growth in that. There's yeah. no there's no growth when I'm squatting 45 pounds on the bar. Like <laughs> there, I got to add some weight to it. Indeed. There's an old proverb that says calm waters make lousy sailors. Yeah. That's flawless. Yeah, yeah, brother. When you're speaking about the darkness and I know I just brought this up last podcast with Joyous, but it's brilliant. I sat with a guy uh Jason, who was I met down at Spirit Quest with Aubrey in 2018, one of Don Howard's last last time serving Quachuma. And he's since been carrying uh, Don, Don Howard's uh, medicine with the recipe from Don Howard and the gift of him and a uh, beautiful guy. But one thing he said in a prayer was the darkness serves the light. Mm. And back to this show, Initiation with Matthias De Stefano, he talks about that in, in his second episode, Duality, how we look at these things as, oh, the light must be good because that's daytime and it's safe. And he's like, it's not. He goes, rewind spirituality to biology. When our biological ancestors are here on this planet. There is a fear associated with night because there are fucking dark, scary monsters that actually exist that will eat us and rip our wives from our hands and mangle them in front of us. And we hear their screams until they're eaten to death. Mm-hmm. That shit happened for a very long time. Darkness is bad. Light is good. And there is the genetic encoding of that. Right. But in, when we, we ascribe this to, spirituality, what we see, and he shows, he puts a, he uses a great metaphor. He has a light bulb on a stand, like my tripod here in the center of a room and behind it's a white wall. And when he stands in the center, it's equal light to equal shadow behind him. But as he chases the light, what happens? The light diminishes and the shadow grows, right? Everything always looking to balance us, yin and yang. And if we're focused on the darkness, the light will expand. If we're focused on the light, the dark will expand. So it's, it's a good idea to find that center point and know that all of these things are here for us, yeah. right? All of these things are here to allow us to grow and allow us to experience. And um, just thinking about that has really helped me. You know, the, the Rumi quote, one of my favorite poems, there is a field outside of good and bad, just past right and wrong. I'll meet you there. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. Like that's the deal, you know, like, so rather than look, and, and, and it's been hard for me too, because a big piece of this is, you know, there, there, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of good messages in Christianity and Judaism and in, uh, Muslim, you know, in, in Islam and understanding what are those things that we can piece, you know, what are the gems here? One of the gems is to not judge, mm-hmm. you know, and we see this, the further divide divisive we get, the more blame and resentment and finger pointing we have. And one of the keys to getting to the middle of that, as Douglas Murray points out in The Madness of Crowds, which is fucking best book I've read all year by far, is that we have to be able to forgive. Yeah. And we have to be able to forgive ourselves first in order to be, be able to forgive anyone else. If we don't have self-compassion, we have no compassion for other people. So instead of seeing the Bill Gates as an evildoer or the second coming of Hitler or any of that shit, is to say like, I bet if I'm Bill Gates and I am a part of a long family bloodline of eugenics and I am focused on, you know, removing a large portion of the population and I have TED Talks talking about the very thing that I'm trying to do right now, (laughs) not hiding it from anybody, hiding in plain sight. 
if that's me, I think I'm doing a pretty good job. I think it's important to do that job. Thanos in the Avengers didn't think he was great. He didn't think like, this is nuts, but I feel called to kill half of all life in the universe. He thought this is how he'll help life prol proliferate because the ones that remain will truly get to live. Yeah. Right. So they're not, no one other than a psychopath maybe is going to sit there and think like, I'm going to do evil for the sake of evil. Yeah. Right. They probably think that they're on track. They probably think there's a re there's good reasoning, solid reasoning in the mind, not in the heart to commit the crime that they're committing. hundred percent. And if we, let's just say we imagine the truth of Bill Gates is like you said, he thinks he's doing good and I'm sure he's doing some good yet. Some of what he's doing is actually harmful. He doesn't, Oh, he's not aware of that. I think that's beautiful compassion to have for him. And then I think how we can ingest that for ourselves is we look at the pattern Bill Gates is acting out. Let's just say, you know, greed and control is underneath his conscious thought of I'm doing good. We can ask, how the fuck am I doing that in my life? Because it's so easy to pretend we're not because the literal circumstances that that exact pattern is being acted out are different. His literal circumstances involve billions of dollars, vaccines, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, his bloodlines. So we can look at that like, dude, I'm not doing that. There's like nothing about me in that. But I was like, no, it's the energetic pattern, the behavioral pattern that he's acting out. That's exactly what we're acting out as well. The question is, are we aware of it? It might be like, oh yeah, I'm greedy in the sense of um, I, I won't take the trash out. I always wait for my wife to do it. It's like that can be the exact same pattern of greed and control. It's just acted out in a very different literal way. But I think when we can look at who, whoever we despise the most, whoever we're most emotionally charged at, Anthony Fauci, in my case, we can look at what they're doing and ask ourselves, what's my version of it? Then we're finding compassion for a part of us that's been hidden in the shadow. And can we also have compassion for what Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, what their life might be like? And if we can do that, the energy of compassion, I think, is what heals divisiveness. Um, I, I was just writing a video this morning. Uh, <laughs> the working title is called the, the cure for divisiveness. Because as a nation in the US, I don't think we've ever been more divided. And the cure is compassion. And I'm presenting it in the video in the fun way, like it's the new vaccine that just <laughs> this has a 94% effectiveness rate. And it's something called compassion, something that's been theorized, but always thought to be impossible to actually develop. And here's how it works. And uh, so, man, yeah, compassion, bro. Yeah, externally and it, and it doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. It doesn't mean of that course. people aren't responsible and that we don't say like, hey, this doesn't work and we're going to have some accountability for the 1.6 million people, you guinea pig yeah. in India and Africa each year that can no longer get pregnant. You know, like, like there, there needs to be some accountability for that. But at the same time, it's not to witness somebody as Satan incarnate. It's not to witness somebody as the Antichrist. It's to witness like all of these things in the concert of life are meant to help us. And all of these things in the concert of life are within us, yeah. right? We are the fractal holographic 
in his image of God. Yeah. And that means the whole fucking thing is inside of us. So when we look out and see that other, supposed other in air quotes, we are looking at a piece of us. And thankfully, there's not a whole lot of them, right, that we got to see, but it, it isn't so far removed. Jordan Peterson talked about that years ago, you know, this idea, like people have no trouble looking at Nazi Germany and saying, how could they? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Well, that'll never happen again. Thank God. It's like that happened yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday in that fucking happened. Blink of an eye in the yeah. realm of history. Yeah. Yesterday that happened. It's, it's, it, that, that we, we have not evolved. Our genetics have not changed. Nothing has changed other than a generation has come. Yeah. That's it. That's the only difference, right? So uh, I, was, I was watching this video last night. Del Bigtree just had on the high wire. Um, I'll have to find it. We'll link to it. But um, he was talking about Michael Yeadon, who worked for Pfizer for 20 years, I think 20 or 30 years, has uh, a doctorate in biotech, brilliant guy, has now come out and said, this, then Pfizer's developing this vaccine in the UK. And what they're doing is they're saying it is, it is your duty as a doctor to give this shot. And we're going to roll this out. The military is rolling it out. And they need to give a vaccine once every five minutes to get through the amount of people they need to vaccinate. Jesus. Mandatory, right? But they need every doctor and then some to give them out. And so he has, uh, he goes through Michael Yeadon's response to this, which is like, don't let anyone tell you that a COVID-19 vaccine ha is safe or that it's, it's well known. It is not understood. Even through the trials, they might have three months of data of what happens afterwards. That is not long-term no, studies. No, we haven't all. seen it a year. We haven't seen it 10 years from now. We haven't seen it 20 years from now. We haven't seen it six months from now. Yeah. They know three months of what happens afterwards right and it also has to be kept at minus 94 degrees fahrenheit in order for it to remain effective but the whole point in bringing that up is these doctors are talking about this as like we don't really know and now i'm being asked to do this thing well yeah. what else happened that looked kind of like that right where people were asked to serve country to do it for the greater good, for the good of the all. It, are your neighbors hiding Jews? Well, yeah. it, let like, us know because you're serving your country. You're you're doing good. Maybe the heart says, "Dude, calling on my neighbors because they're hiding Jews like that doesn't feel." But I'm told that's good. Oh, okay, I'll outsource my truth and I'll be obedient, dude. Yeah, it rhymes. Yeah, it, it rhymes big time, man. I think the I was listening to Rogan's podcast and he was talking about the um, uh, Pfizer vaccine and he's you know uh, uh, he doesn't go too in depth playing and, it straight yeah, yeah. Play, plays it pretty straight but he did say a little something I was like that that that's so small yet it means so much he's talking about the Pfizer vaccine and the very short trials they've had. Uh, a number of the participants developed like severe headaches and, you know, I guess in the realm of vaccines, they're considered like, oh, they're only minimal reactions, but it's, it can be a pretty horrendous experience when you're going through it to get a vaccine. And he's, you know, his podcast producer, Jamie's there and he's like, you know, th those symptoms, the people who got the vaccine developed, uh, those symptoms are a lot worse than what 
some people's symptoms of the coronavirus actually are. And his producer, Jamie, sitting right there, he had COVID a few weeks ago. And he's like, what were your symptoms? It was like a very mild sinus infection-like symptoms. But just the very minimal side effects of the vaccine that are concerned, oh, that's insignificant, like severe headaches, who cares? Like, dude, that's worse than a lot of people are getting as symptoms of the coronavirus. Yeah, but 60% asymptomatic means you come down with it and you don't even realize it. Asymptomatic means there are no symptoms at all. That's 60% of the people who have gotten this are asymptomatic, yeah. right? And then, and then you know, I mean, it just there's there's too much happening to not raise a flag and say what the fuck is going on here yeah. why is this being force fed why why did we shut down the economy why do we do all these things um you know and and, and of course indoctrination points that out and and for people who have a hard time still like still trust cnn like look fox news we know that shit msnbc right but cnn's they're good you know or whatever whatever mainstream outlet you think like I can't trust the news, but John Oliver's my guy. He's telling it straight, right? Wrong. Uh, those are hard pills to swallow because we've watched them for years. I used to watch John Oliver after uh, Game of Thrones, you know, and I was like, man, I'm progressive, but this dude seems pre really, really uh, just, just hammering home like a, the, a very similar story. And, and it's done through comedy and he's funny and it's just, you know, and then you watch Indoctrination and you're like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, that's why I stopped watching him, you know? Yeah. But I think I think for all of these these things, a lot of people will ask, "Where do I find real news? Where do I find this? Who who is to blame within the news? How deep is the deep state in with the media and yeah. all that stuff?" And that's what's really cool um, about Mickey's upcoming documentary, his third film. Well, I, I don't know all much on of, that. Yeah, I don't know much about it. What? It's on a couple of things. It's on George Soros, oh. and it's on. Uh, all of the media that's controlled and in bed. And, and I think he did a great job that's of showing so how important. social media, Google, the whole Silicon Valley is in bed with big pharma. And there, he, you know, the way he points that out, it's, it's pretty unmistakable, Yeah, but he's going to do um, a number on mainstream media. And he's also going to really point to what's happening now with our kids. And um, I'm going to connect him. I want to connect him to Douglas Murray because Douglas Murray's book, Madness of Crowds really illustrates not not what's happening across the board among Democrats, but what's happening on the far left. Yeah. And he, he really takes a deep dive into these things and um, just states it beautifully, you know? And again, he talks about forgiveness. He talks about some of these key missing elements that we've somehow forgotten in the way we relate to one another. Um, but he's going to talk about kids in that. And I think it's it's super important. I think the reason I'm bringing up kids is because of the fact that you know, one of the threats Bill Gates makes is that if you don't, you know, if, if, if they don't listen now, they'll certainly listen to the next pandemic, yeah. you know? And I, and I expect, um, which by the way, I love that Bill Gates impression and just sound like a <laughs> condescending little fuck. That's beautiful. <laughs> I just need the sweater. Um, and he, and he has that, he has the frown smile too, yeah. I mean, not to keep shitting on Bill Gates, but, well, but, uh, but he's feel free. the frown smile. Um, it's just this idea of how we protect our kids, I guess is what I'm coming to because, uh, you have a child on the way mm -hmm. and, and, or Amber has a child on the way. You yeah. guys collectively have a child on the way. You know, we talked with joyous about this community, um, that he's putting together and how important that is. But really there's never been a time 
in the experiment of humanity where we've experimented more on our children. Yeah. And I'm not just talking vaccines. And, you know, again, to rehash one point Del Bigtree made that I'll never forget is if you were born in 1986 or later, earlier, not sure, if you're older, <laughs> 1986 or older, you had 10 to 11 vaccines. Yeah. After 72 vaccines. Yeah. That's a, we're, we're talking about two completely different eras. Yeah. Right, and you look at all the kids on Ritalin, Adderall, everything else. Uh, my kid's depressed. We're going to put him on SSRIs. He's sixteen. How about we fucking do a little life review and see what's not working in his life? Yeah. How about we change some of that around? Maybe it's the school that that person's going to. Maybe he's not being fed properly. Maybe all of the above should be accounted for. Yeah. Right. Um, but we have this this super big experiment going on, and we have it with our tech too. You know. Social media for the first time, internet for the first time, kids are being born and they got a cell phone already. It's like all of this stuff is going on. And I think one of the biggest lessons that I've received from the medicines and working with indigenous cultures is we have to reconnect to what's been lost that yeah. worked. Doesn't mean we go back to the stone age. Doesn't mean I make fire with my hands, but there's a lot of medicine that, that comes with understanding a deeper connection happens without the phone. A deeper yeah. connection happens around a fireplace rather than in front of a TV. Uh, being in nature actually matters. Yeah. And I think a lot of these things that have been robbed from our everyday life are being robbed at an even faster pace with our kids. Yeah. My question to you is, what do you, what are the ways that you want to cultivate a life that embodies the best of both worlds for your children? Yeah, man. You know the. I want to lead by example, and and what I. One of the way, one of the things I want to in, instill in my son, is boldness, courage, compassion, and kindness. I think, uh, boldness, courage, and strength. I think, those are uh, really being lost right now with you know, the, the, you know, what the, the mainstream narrative, the Bill Gates thing, they're, they're help. They're trying to, I don't know, intentionally, but their actions are trying to erode away boldness and courage where essentially their actions are treating us like, Hey, as soon as nobody dies of anything, then you can come out and it'll be safe. But we know is, no, as soon as you're born, you're at risk of dying and you can live your life in a way as though the purpose of your life is to preserve your life. Enjoy that wall of protection you build around yourself, motherfucker. That wall of protection you build will soon become your prison. Or what I want to instill in my son is the purpose of your life is to fucking live your life, son live it. Your, your number will be called one day as is mine. That's, that's a reality you can't deny. You can live your life in a way as though you're pretending you can deny it and you can ward it off. You can stay at home, hide behind the couch forever, but truly that's being controlled by a fear. In this case, the fear of death. I don't think the purpose of your life, son, is to enslave yourself to that fear and honor that fear as your master. No, honor your heart as your master. And you know what? That master will most likely ask you to do 
some things that are scary as fuck. That at times you you'll be scared to death, whether you're on stage going to do a talk and you're just scared to death, even though you're not going to die, or other times it'll compel you to swim out and save someone where you might actually die. But the purpose of your life is to honor your heart. Man, I watched um, an interesting example of, of, I would call it fear indoctrination and a complete lack of strength and courage on a couple kids. So I was out walking with my wife and there's a school that just opened up near us and school is a let out bunch of kids walking home from school. 95% of the kids still had their masks on while they were walking home from school. And then there was uh, it looked like a brother and a sister. They were walking towards us, maybe, you know, be, seven, nine years old in that range. And as they were about 10 meters away from us, they looked up and saw my wife and I, we didn't have masks on. No, we're not going to have masks on. We're outside. So they looked at us. Then they crossed the street and walked on the other side of the street. Now I'm guessing what wasn't going on in those kids' mind is, hey, I've looked at the numbers of COVID cases and statistically speaking, and with my science background, I think it would be a wise choice for us to cross the street based on the evidence that I've analyzed. Guessing that didn't happen. What I am guessing is happening is those kids were indoctrinated by a fear, which is far more contagious than any virus, which compelled them to cross the street. Now, What really amazed me is when I imagine, okay, that level of fear that those kids have, it doesn't allow them to walk past a stranger on the sidewalk. How the fuck is that going to look when those kids are 20 years old? Like, what won't they be doing out of this fear? And hopefully these kids, they'll break the cocoon of fear. But I'm just like extrapolating, what if that pattern like, how does that look when they're 20? How does that look when they're 40? Like, are they, how would they find the courage to follow their heart? What's my life's purpose? And it's never found in the safe places, but, or am I going to just grow up, get a job that's, it feels safe and secure. I want to fucking kill myself in the job, but no, it feels safe and secure. So uh, I won't have the courage to follow my heart. What's that look like? So with my son, I want to lead by example. I don't want to tell my son what I'm telling you. I want to show him. And then he decides for himself what level of fear he lives under versus what level of courage he lives under in any given moment. And then, of course, you know, there's, you know, the best of both worlds. Like, cool, the the medicine and sciences, like, dude, like working with a guy like Dr. Stickler, you know, cool. Like, when... When there's a resonance of truth with like medicine, science, what it can do for us to enhance our lives, awesome. Let's take that on board and consider it. But when something is wearing the facade of medicine and science, but it feels like manipulation, all right, not for us. So I don't think there's any outside source that tells us what's the best of both worlds, what what do we draw from here? What do we draw from here? I think it, we got to 
inner source our truth on that. And there's a reason why we are the guardians for our children. They're not going to be able to make those decisions and appropriately so for a while. So we need to make those decisions for us. There's a reason why those kids didn't incarnate as Tony Fauci's fucking kids. We are the guardians. And if we ex- if we outsource the guardianship to our children, uh, to someone else, I think we are doing our children a disservice. Yeah, no in question. In my delusional opinion. Have you, have, you, uh, have you seen Apocalypto recently? I have not. It sounds familiar. What, what is uh, Apocalypto? Uh, Mel Gibson did it. It's a subtitles movie uh, about the Mayans and the native culture in Central America. No, I've never seen that. Oh, you have to watch it. And I, and I, and I especially having a son, uh, I recommend it to everyone listening, but for any dads or upcoming dads, any sons even, like if you want to see that, the tale of fatherhood and son, sonhood, uh, if that's mm. a word, um, told in such an incredible way, it's, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite movies ever. But we rewatched it, and one of the things, I don't want to, spoiler alert, this happens early, so <laughs> I don't want to give the movie away, but it is worth mentioning. His dad, uh, they're, they're out on a hunt, and they come across another, another tribe that looks scared as fuck. And they're not used to running in the Amazon up against or, or you know, the, the rainforest, another tribe. And so the tribe, uh, you know, that, that's coming up, that's scared as fuck, quickly offers um, a piece of uh, an animal that they got on a hunt. You know, like, here, here's the offering. And then, uh, you know, the, the father and the son, the father steps forward and says, what do you want? And they say, we seek a new beginning. And they're just shook. Like, they just want to get the fuck out of Dodge and find a new place to live. And so they throw him uh, some fish back. And, um, or, or the inverse of that, but either way, they give each other food, they pass on <clears throat> the father, son, and his hunting group go back to dicking around, making fun of each other. Then they make their way back, but the son can't shake it. And he's, you know, he's, uh, he looks like he's in his, in his twenties. He's a young guy, but he can't shake the fear that was on the faces of the other mm-hmm. tribe that he felt. And he wants to tell the rest of his tribe about that experience. And his father looks at him and he pulls him aside and he says, son, do not let that fear into you. I can see it has already disturbed your peace. Mm. You will not take this and infect the rest of our tribe with it. Make yourself right before you present yourself to the rest of the tribe. Mm. Right? Because the dad was an elder and he knew you can't let that seep into everybody. It is more contagious than any virus. Mm. And, and, for me, outside of that movie, really like lighting the inner warrior on fire um, is the recognition of that. Through Since April, really, when I started to actually sit with this, where do I live in fear? What, what is an unconscious background program that's running, that's controlling me through fear and really sifting through that? Because ultimately how we teach is through showing it is through experience right and, and my son doesn't fucking listen to me he, he doesn't listen at all but he he learns through the shared experience and if i'm operating at a frequency of fear that's felt even if it's never verbalized yeah. he's going to know it he's going to say mommy and daddy are afraid of of something and i can't put my finger on it so i'm going to mirror that yeah. right and, and that's been uh, a great way of breaking out of the shackles of the you know, self-made prisons that I've lived in for 38 years is coming to terms with that and really finding trust in whatever outcome will be the way 
and it'll never be too much. It'll always be able to, I'll always be able to handle it. Yeah. I love that. And I'm curious at a literal level with Bear, who I just love him. I, I was watching on your Instagram stories, him putting his aunt in a rear naked chokehold. Oh, I think <laughs> he got mom. Yeah. He, he was or mom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I love seeing Bear's courage as well. I remember when y'all were at my house, I think it was last year sometime, he's you know, on the hot tub jumping off into the pool, just like, awesome. Like this is just living so unrestricted. And I'm curious, at a literal level, what do you guys tell Bear? Like say you're going to a grocery store, everybody's got their masks on. Uh, yeah, I'm curious how y'all explain that to, and he's five at this point? Yeah, he's five now. Yeah, there's a couple things that bring up. One, the 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 unrestricted child. It it reminded me of, first of all, <laughs> I just thought I don't want to do it the way my dad did it, you know. And it's not um, it's not to shit on my dad. He did a much better job than Granddad did, much better job, which put me in a position to do a better job than him, and that'll put Bear in a position to do a better job than me, yeah. right? And that's hopefully how we unpack that. But um, my dad and me and Bear all have fuck you energy, like just (laughs) unlimited. There's no caffeine. Meth couldn't keep up with it, you know? And I remember having that much energy when I was a kid and often being silenced and punished Mm -hmm. if I was too loud or didn't, you know, wasn't respectful or behaving in a way. Embarrassment was a big thing for my dad. So if I embarrassed him in front of somebody else, then I'd, I'd really feel that. Um, so with bear, I've, I've recognized that in me, the beautiful thing about life is that I don't get to rewrite my past for myself, but I rewrite my past with him and every opportunity that I have where my knee jerk reaction is like, dude, settle down. Or I want to yell, or I want to discipline him in a way I can then see that as the thing that's been ingrained and choose differently. Mm. And so a lot of people are, it's hard to handle. We have friends stay in town and they're like, is it cool if we just take off solo? And I'm like, Hey, I fucking get it. You know, he's a lot to keep up with. Go, go to Zilker, go to McKinney falls, like get some rest, you know, and then come back. We'll have dinner. Um, but I read this book, uh, lame deer seeker of visions, which is a, uh, a beautiful native American story. And one of the things he talked about in, in, cause he was around right when, um, the white man started putting uh, Native Americans in the the white education system. Mm. And he talked about the differences between cultures because he knew them both. And he said, in our culture, we never, the kids were never hit. They were never told no. They were allowed to run freely. Now, obviously they would learn from their own mistakes and there are certain things they had to be protected from. But um, for the most part, they were allowed to just do their thing. They could be wild, natural people that would come to learn the ways in which to work with society naturally and gradually, not forced upon, right? And that resonated deeply with me. And I think of those things like, who is Bear? Bear is as close to Bear's essence as he can be. That, that you know, he's still been programmed through my own lack of understanding with the shadow that I can't see. You know, that's, that's inherently not in my purview, but the work Tasha and I do on each other and on ourselves as individuals hopefully allows him to remain as intact as possible. And um, so that's, that's where he's at as a kid. Um, where he's at in society, at grocery stores and things like that, you know, we, I've had 
Joyce talked about how he's he's got his you know medical exemption and doesn't wear the mask in stores and most people will pull their mask down and say thank you you know mm. and, and that kind of thing and how people really at least in Texas um, appreciate that on some level because they recognize the freedom that he's living in. I've said that I'm happy to wear a mask because of the amount of fear people are in. I didn't mention this on the podcast with him, but I talked about it on a solo cast. Even though I know the masks are bullshit, I don't mind putting them on because they're already in a state of fucking fear. I don't need them looking at me and getting more worked up and then going home and complaining about it the rest of the day because they're not heart centered and they can't figure out why somebody would fucking not wear a mask that's so irresponsible. And, and I'm not trying to ruin people's days, you know, and I'm, I'm healthy enough. Aside, set aside the issues with mask, you know, rebreathing the same air, that kind of stuff. I'm healthy enough to do that. And I've talked with Bear about that. First, you know, he, he's never going to wear a mask and, yeah. I, and he doesn't have to at his school and he certainly doesn't have to in stores. I remember when it was like 10 year olds and up have to wear a mask and then it was five year olds. And I'm like, no, man, you're not wearing a mask. Sometimes he wants to wear one for fun. But I'm like, dude, don't wear the mask. So when we're in grocery stores and things like that, the thing that I'll let him know is, you don't have to worry about this. There is no, we don't ever fear nature. This mm-hmm. virus is no different than uh, a flu. It's no different. It's different in some ways, but it's not more deadly than any of this shit. And we don't have to worry about that as long as we take care of ourselves. It's one of the reasons we eat good food. It's one of the reasons why we might have a couple pieces of organic candy on Halloween, but we're going to give the rest away. Mm-hmm. Right, like all of the the building blocks of why we choose together to take care of our bodies, why we know it's important to get enough sleep, why we know it's important to eat the right food, why we know it's important to have a little rest during the day. All of things, those things matter because then we're not susceptible to these, you know, evil, evil, invisible bugs that come flying around the air. And at the same time, we're cognizant of all those around us. And so when he wants to, he's super excited to put whatever we get at the grocery store on the conveyor belt, I'll let him know, oh, hey, hey, buddy, you got to stand six feet back. He's like, why? And I'm like, well, that person might be afraid of, of one of us carrying the bug and, and they don't look healthy. So we want to give them enough space to where they feel safe. And he gets it, yeah. right? It's not because we have to worry about anything. It's because we want to be kind to others, you know, and that resonates with him. Like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll move back and then we'll get it up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think my fear, like if I fast forward and my son's five years old, if this shit was still happening, hopefully it's not. But if it was, I would have a tough time not barfing my frustrations onto my son. Like, dad, why why does everybody wear a mask? Because they're all fucking sheep and they're brainwashed by... <laughs> Uh, but I mean, I love that graceful. Example. That's hilarious. You mentioned that though, because you know, at the school that he's at, there's, uh, I don't know, the kids talk and they mention the things that their parents say, you yeah. know? And so bear comes home and he's like, we voted for Trump. We voted for Trump. <laughs> and he's doing this little kid chant, you know, we voted for Trump. And, uh, and I just burst out laughing so hard. I think it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Cause you know, there's that certainly the vast majority of parents at his school, that was the case. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, God, he, he's had, a, he's had a few other ones like that, but thankfully there's, there hasn't been what I'm sure the masses of children 
are are learning and being exposed yeah. to through the narrative of public education, through the narrative of all the other campuses where it's Zoom learning. And Mickey talked about that too, where there's now an eavesdropping, uh, no eavesdropping clause that the parents have to sign because they don't want parents. And this isn't across the board, but in a lot of areas where they are trying to get the parents to not listen in on the Zoom education their children are getting. Why is that? Because they're teaching them some shit they don't want the parents to know about. Huh. And he'll dive into this in the next one. Teaser trailer. He'll dive into this in the next one. And uh, and it is proven. He has he has he actually has physical copies from different parents back in California and different places where they've had to sign this paperwork in order wow. for their kids to to get their online public education, which is now shittier than <laughs> you thought public education was shitty before. Yeah. Just imagine where it's at now. So um but yeah, I, I, yeah, and Bear's talked about that too. You know, the um, it's, he 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 said this, which was fucking hilarious. He said, um, "Santa Claus isn't going to bring the government any presents this year." <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I said, "Why is that, buddy?" Just laughing, and he goes, "Because they're on the naughty list." Wow. And, and I was like, "Yeah, bud. I don't think. Yeah, yep. I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true." <laughs> I love that. That is so cool, man. Um, I think the challenges with our time and excitement about our time. And I think part of what keeps me going, like when we start talking about our sons, what keeps me motivated and like a hopeful outlook is leaving a better world for our sons and living in that better world with our sons for as long as we have. I think one of the things that is a very exhaustible, non-renewable energy resource is doing shit for yourself. Like, cool, we got to do shit for ourselves, but there's only so much energy we have for doing shit to for ourselves. But when it's, dude, we're doing shit for other people, which is also for us, yet it's so inclusive of contributing to our sons or daughters, our future generations, strangers that we don't even know. Dude, that's when I think we really tap into a very renewable kind of like solar power limitless resource of energy and man it that that's something i keep in mind like when i'm you know, doing my videos i've been doing tons of travel with stand up comedy where i'm delivering messages through the language of comedy i always keep in mind how dude this is this is serving humanity and when i realize that that there's that fulfillment of like dude this is it's like i'm working with unending energy. And that's one of the things I think anybody can draw from is how are your thoughts, words, and actions right now taking care of yourself? Yes. But how are they contributing to the greater good around you? And sometimes some of us would wake up to that question and say like, oh, they're not. Awesome. Fucking redirect them. Because it feels damn good. It feels just like solar power in my delusional opinion. No, I love that. Yeah, there is the, the, the ceremony of parenthood is one of the most potent, if not the most potent. Mm. And when it's treated that way, where we, we view our children as these little gurus, you know, and, and they are our teachers, 
you know, we're, we're here to protect them and show them away and give them experiences. But ultimately they teach us if, if we're, if we're centered and can recognize that we can learn a lot from them. And, um, it is renewable. It's incredibly taxing on every fucking level with loss of sleep and all that good stuff you get to look forward to. But at the same time, it matters so much. It matters so much and it's worth it. Yeah. It's so worth it that that then becomes a, a fuel source that keeps it going. One of my favorites, and I, I can't state this off the top of my head, but it's in uh, The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. When he talks about, have you read that book? No. He, he gives a poem on, on kids and he's like, you, we don't get to see the future but the children are our arrows and we are the bow that casts them with the ark into the future. Where we aim and how we pull the bowstring back sends the trajectory of the future into place. That's and if you beautiful. think about that, like, yeah, like all, how do we change this going forward? Well, children is a fucking big piece of that. Yeah, it's a big, It might be the biggest piece of that. And... Um, you know, even if you're never going to be a parent or you're too old to have kids and you never were, thinking about the kids is an important piece. And thinking about the world that we leave behind for them is incredibly important. And I, I, I feel that as I lean into the purge of everything that's happening right now, I have high hope for that. I have an excitement about that because previous to all this stuff, there was a lot of, yeah, I've kind of heard some rumbling about the Federal Reserve. I've kind of heard some things about this and that and, uh, you know, the, the Rockefellers and, and, you know, the New Green Deal and all of this stuff. But it's like now we're starting to become more aware. Now we're starting to see through the illusion. Now we're starting to get gain more access. And even though uh, in the past you might have had to search hard and high and low to get it, a billion people watched Plandemic. Over yeah. a fucking billion. Incredible. Right? Like, like. People are starting to open up to this and the access is there. And I think that that's another thing that, that is a beautiful gift through all of this is that if we ask the questions, we'll find it. We'll find the answer. And not just externally, but as we sharpen our blade and we uh, you know, get that tuning fork into resonance, we can tune into those answers from within at a much greater degree of ease. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking pumped and I'm excited to go through this life's journey with you, brother. Me too. I'm grateful to be in the ceremony with you, man, purging. And I know there's bliss happening at the same time, but yeah, I think the purpose of a ceremony isn't to be comfortable. I think it's to uh, shatter the cocoon of comfort that has served us until it restricts us. That's why you got to shed the cocoon. That's why we got to have a ceremony to remind us of what we need to shed. And something about really any ceremony I've ever been a part of is there's always others in the ceremony with you in the temple. And I'm very grateful to be in the temple with you, brother, because it inspires me. You know, like when I've been in a like a, a plant medicine ceremony, when I see others going through the purge, it inspires me and gives me more permission to give myself more permission to go deeper. Like, oh, no, no, no. this is supposed to be happening now. There, there's look at him just heave his guts out. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Like, let <laughs> yeah. me go. Let me Get go it. there too. Get it. Get it. Yeah. So Beautiful thank you for brother. being an inspiration and a friend, brother. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, w 
tell us your podcast title. Where can people find you? Any upcoming shows you got coming out? This will release this week. So yeah, you know, I am on all the social medias. I am at Awaken with JP. YouTube uh, would be the prime spot to find me, but I'm on everything. And my podcast is Awaken with JP Sears show. So yeah, feel free to connect with me there or avoid me there, depending on how offensive or charming you find me. Beautiful brother. Thank you, my man. Thank you, brother.